The Deep Dive with Nick Baby. Welcome to the Deep Dive Podcast with Nick Babel. I'm your host, Nick Babel. Um, today, my guest is Brian Hogue. He is the host of Chiller Chat Night Live pre-show, and he hosts Chiller Night Theater as Jack Shadow on streammedia.tv. Um, he's also the owner of Dark Horse Championship Wrestling. Um, welcome, Brian. Oh, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Thank you, Nick. Uh, so you recently just celebrated your three-year anniversary of hosting Chiller Night Live pre-show, uh, and you have your 13-year anniversary of hosting Chiller Night Theater coming up in May. How did how did this all come about? Uh, what made you decide to put those shows together? <laughs> well, it, it it all started back in um, it all started back in 2006. I was doing a, uh, a haunted house. I do those. And uh, I had a character in the haunted house that uh, was kind of the, 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 the first character that the, the guests would come to and, and he would do a little speech and set the atmosphere and then kind of usher them in. And uh, the, the character started to grow some popularity in the community. Uh, because another thing that was kind of intriguing to the people was we didn't tell anybody who played the character, which it, it, it was me, but we were just having fun with it. It wasn't even starting out that way. It, it just became a thing. And uh, and it, a couple of years, the very next year, I started a hosted horror show on the local TV channel. And they actually asked me, they said, hey, would the, the character's name was Jack Shadow. They said, would you consider having Jack Shadow be the host of this show? And I said, yeah, we, you know, I'll, I'll think about it. And I got back to them and, and, and it turned out Jack Shadow started being the host of this program now coming up on 13 years. Uh, it was a different name at first. It was called Sleepy Hollow Theater. And now it's uh, now I changed the name in 2015 to Chiller Night Theater. Um, but yeah, it all just started with the character from uh, Haunted House. It was kind of the staple character. And then he uh, developed into becoming a horror host, which was never my original intent. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how things go. You never, you right. never know where it's going to take you, though. Yeah. So you, you also own Dark Horse Championship Wrestling. Uh, how'd you get into that business? Well... That came about, I, I, I loved wrestling, you know, growing up in the 70s and, you know, early 80s. It was, was, was my time for wrestling. I really loved it at that time. And I consider myself kind of really old school in, in that, that regard. And once I saw what I could do with, with the, uh, the hosted horror show, I, <laughs> I thought, you know, I know a couple guys who are in in wrestling, uh, lo local professional wrestlers in the independent circuit. So I, I got with them, and we we started uh, we started a, a show on the local channel. Originally, it was KICW, this Keystone Independent Championship Wrestling, and that it, and that was fun. We had that running for about thirteen episodes, and then I got into the haunted house season. And I really couldn't, couldn't 
pursue it at that time but it was always gnawing away at me like boy that was really i really enjoyed that it really went over with the fans so i just launched uh another uh uh, wrestling organization on my own called uh, dark horse championship wrestling and um i started that in november 2012 was the very first uh wow. you know, time that we we shot we we were actually taping and you know that was kind of a gamble for me because i went to i went to erie to wicu it's an nbc affiliate station in erie pennsylvania and I, I talked to the program director and the general manager, and I said, uh, you know, I told them my idea. I'd like to have this wrestling show on their channel. And, uh, and at, at first they said, uh, at first I got a, a no as an answer, uh, <laughs> you know, and I said, oh, you know, I just had it in my head. Like I said, you know, I was, I was, I was hearing, I was hearing no on the phone and I'm there like, let me ask you something, you know, uh, what about, <laughs> hear me out. We're just talking here, but what about, you know, I, I said, what if I give you everything that you want in a, in a finely polished, um, presentation, would you consider it then? You know, do, do, you know, if you don't oppose a wrestling show being on your channel, let me do this. They said, Okay. All right. You know, go ahead with that. Let, let's see what you can do. And that's when I, I get, you know, a booker from Pittsburgh together. Uh, I, I was working with him, a, a guy named Chad Henry. And uh, he, you know, he, he came up with the wrestlers and uh, um, I had a few personal requests I wanted to see wrestle in there as well. But uh, we had a lot of fun. We, we, we put the show together uh we taped it in the format that uh, was requested by WICU and they accepted it and it ran every Sunday for almost two years on that station oh and um it's kind of funny the independent scene's really picking up lately too um, yeah yeah you know I my era was kind of like 96 to 2002 um, the Attitude Era, and a little bit before the Attitude Era, too, you know, WCW, WWF Wars, stuff like that. Um, right. I, I started following it a little bit recently, uh, but I haven't gotten fully back into it. But it's definitely, uh, it's, it's a fun hobby, and, and, and I, I did go to a show back when I was a teenager I the main event was the Undertaker versus Triple H, and it was a it was a house show, and it oh. was a it was a casket match, and uh, it was really memorable. It was really fun. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it it it. it I have been seeing it picking up, and and that's. Um, I, I I tell you what, we we had just. I mean, to to somebody who's been in this for a while, the numbers might not seem you know, that, that, that big, but, you know, I was on my second show and I had like a couple hundred people, you know, there watching it. And, and so, you know, that made me think that, the, you know, wow, this is really going to, to grow, you know, if I keep right. with it now, I was going okay with it until 2015 when I had to move from the area, uh, cause I, I, 
pursued a different job. And then I, I moved out of the area, not far, but just far enough right. to where it disrupted my, my routine. And that kind of threw, so I really, I, even though, yeah, I still have it, it. I really, I haven't had anything going on since 2015. We keep, we keep talking about, you know, getting that horse back up to run again. <laughs> but uh, um, we, as of yet, it's just been talk, you know, we had a few ideas we're kicking around, but uh, I'd yeah. love to see it again. Yeah. It might be the time to get into it. Cause uh, you know, AEW and uh yeah. A few other ones have really taken off and stuff. And, uh, you know, like I said, I haven't been following it as closely as I used to, but from what I hear, you know, the independent circuits real, really strong right now. So yeah. I think a lot of people are going to want to get out and see stuff now too. Now that COVID's finally, you know, hopefully going, going away. Right. No, I, I, I think that's exactly it. They want to get out and because I'm, I actually, I get asked about that all the time. Like, Hey, you bring in DCW back, you're bringing back dark horse. And I'm just like, I, I, you, you know, and I tell them like, you don't know how bad I want to bring that back. <laughs> I loved it. I love everything about it, but I just, I said, it's so, there's so much to do uh, to get those running. And, uh, and then I'm doing this chiller night, uh, theater and all the you know the, the stuff on on the other side of it and it's uh a lot, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. um so uh i had a thought with that but now i i kind of lost it but um <laughs> so i wanted to uh well i was going to ask you what your favorite wrestling era was but you kind of said the 70s and the, the 80s um who was your favorite wrestler back then I, I enjoyed, I tell you, I, I had a, I had a few, I had, I loved Ric Flair, you know, even in those early days, uh, I loved <laughs> the one that some, you know, a lot of people haven't heard of is the mass superstar. He was a, uh, he, you know, he was a heel that I just, I just <laughs> loved. he was so, he was just so, uh, great. You know, uh, Mr. Wrestling number two, um, you was know, uh, Ricky Steamboat? Was Dusty uh, Rhodes? Oh, Dusty Rhodes. Was uh, Ricky Steamboat back then? Or was oh he yeah. Little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and uh, Junkyard Dog. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember the early days too. You know, uh, Hulk Hogan and Macho Man picking up. Uh, probably the seventies was Jerry the King Lawler too. Back when he was wrestling, he was a pretty big heel, right? Yeah, but you know, um, see, I didn't really get that uh, where he was from that that territory. I didn't really uh, watch that on my TV, uh, so I really didn't know that much about him at the time. I would see him in the wrestling magazines because I used to get those every month. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really know too much about him particularly. But but I loved. I don't like Bruno Sammartino, uh, superstar. You know. Uh, you know, Billy Graham and uh, Killer Kowalski, you know, back just I just love that stuff because the ring psychology was so it was so good back then. Even the uh, the test of strength, you know, that they right. would do, they'd lock hands and and they would do this back and forth, you know, and uh, trying to get the other to submit. And 
you know, you get the right guys. And even though it's, it's, it, it was, a uh, there didn't seem to be a lot going on. There was a lot going on. They were reading that, that crowd and, yeah. and really working that, the, the ring psychology with the, with that move. And it's, it's, that's a hard one to pull off now because you're expected. There's so much flash and speed and, right. and stuff, but those guys back then, the Titans, you know, they, they could pull that off. It was they a charisma thing. It was, it was a charisma thing a lot. Yeah. It wasn't just who could, uh, you know, make it in the Olympics with jumping and, and stuff like that, you know? Right. Right. Uh, yeah. That was, uh, I did remember the question I was going to ask you. So when you were running the promotion, did you ever get involved in any of the matches? No, not necessarily. Well, there was one where, uh, you know, unfortunately I had a, I had a, uh, another promoter who, who, uh, you know, kind of edged in, you know, I let him, I let him come in as a manager and we got into a little, a little, uh, shouting match here in, in the middle of the ring. And there was, a there was a little, uh, fisticuffs, but, uh, other than that, uh, no, I, I really, <laughs> I really stayed out of the ring as much as I could. I, I just wanted to, uh, kind of, uh, produce it and go that right. route with it. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was just, uh, it was a lot of, Awesome. Great memories. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my podcast is called The Deep Dive. And what I like to do for you know a portion of it is take a deep dive into a specific subject. So I was thinking with you, uh, horror films and uh, horror films and media would be a good thing to do a, you know, kind of a deep dive look at. Okay. Uh, so I guess my, my first question is, um, so I kind of grew up on horror movies like i mean this is a little more kiddie-ish but monster squad was, is a i still think it holds up uh the evil yeah. dead series uh i remember invasion of the body snatchers the 1970s one that's still really oh yeah with donald yeah oh donald southern so creepy yeah. um so those were influential movies for me getting into horror um what were some of the first horror films that, that you watched that got you into the genre? Uh, I'd have to say there's, there's, there's uh, the universal monster movies, you know, the, 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 the originals, the granddaddies of all granddaddies of monster movies and, you know, Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, those ones there. I loved all of those. And, and then the hammer horror movies you know, from the, from the fifties until eh, they were still going into the uh, early to mid seventies, but their stuff, uh, their, their early stuff, Hammer was a uh, big inspiration. And I watched both of those quite a bit on a show, a Saturday night show that I used to watch called Chiller Theater. And the, and the host was all the Chili Billy, Bill Cardell. He was always showing that stuff. And I just loved it growing, growing up. I don't know. Those, those characters were just so, um, there was something magical about them, you know, the, these monsters. I couldn't wait to watch them every Saturday night, you know? Yeah, it was like a, a viewing experience. There wasn't, you know, it's not like today where, you know, a hundred channels and streaming services and stuff. You, you waited till Saturday night to watch, you know, whatever yeah. horror movie they were going to put on and stuff. Right. No, I, I just, I don't know. There was always something... Um, 
very, and I'll tell you another thing, another thing that, that kind of was uh, a big deal for me, I guess, I guess maybe I'd, I'm not so sure I recognized it as much back then, but, but I did in my adult years was the fact that every Saturday at, uh, at uh, 6.05 PM on TBS was Georgia championship wrestling. Okay. So we watched that as a family. We, we, we were captivated, you know, sat there, walked onto the TV set, the entire family sat there and watched that. Now that was, that was on Saturday. And then later on Saturday night was chiller theater. And so those two things, wrestling and the chiller, uh, the monster movies yeah. was uh, I, I, I just fell in love with those. And which is, you know, I, obviously a very heavy influence on what I've done with my chiller shows and, and with the wrestling. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you know, like, like I was saying, every, you know, every Saturday it's, you know, it was the thing to do. You know, yeah. and like you said, get to spend time with your family and, and watch that stuff. And, you know, it's kind of what makes the memories, you know? Yeah. No, was, it was it was a good time. A really good time. I'm sorry. What's that now? Oh, so I was just going to ask you. So what would you consider? I mean, I know it's hard to choose, but your top, let's say top three horror movies of all time. I'd, I'd say the first one would be Bride of Frankenstein from 1935 with uh, Universal, only because uh, now I love I love the original Frankenstein. I, I do. I, I actually put those two on a, the same level. But the, the reason I'm going to say Bride is just because for probably 20 years, it was kind of my my ritual to watch Bride of Frankenstein every Halloween night. And uh, plus, I love what Karloff did with the development, the, the personality that he brought out in the monster, right. you know, the first movie he's learning just like a, an infant, you know, he's learning this, you know, the movement and, you know, and, and stuff. So he still had a lot of growing, but by the second movie, it was so interesting to see what he had done to give that, that creature a personality that you, you felt sorry for him. You know, you were rooting right. for the monster in that movie. You didn't want to see, he wasn't the real villain, you know, um, right. you know, they're the Dr. Pretorius and all these, these uh, characters were the real villains. Uh, so I'd say that was, that's going to be my first nostalgic wise. And then um, another one I love is uh, curse of the werewolf starring Oliver Reed. It was a hammer horror movie. And again, that was, that was just uh, something from my childhood. It, it always just, right. uh, I, I just, something about that movie. I just love watching. And I love the way that that werewolf looked in that movie too. Um, and, and for the third one, I, you know, this is really an offshoot from the first two that I picked. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Prince of Darkness. A John Carpenter movie. I love John Carpenter movies. Love Me too. Them. And uh, I, I'd say that one probably doesn't get the recognition that I, I really wish it would because it's a it's a fantastic movie and it's a fantastic story. It's very, I don't know, it's just so creepy. <laughs> I, I feel like I might have watched that a long time ago. I, I probably got to check that out because I really like John Carpenter movies too. Yeah. Um, they live and the thing yeah um just i still think they're underrated movies even though you know they're popular but he right. um he's never really got the credit 
I feel like he's going to be one of the ones where he passes away and there and everybody's going to be like, Oh wow. John Carpenter was awesome. Yeah. What a genius he was, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and I agree with you 100%. I think he's, I mean, people know they recognize the name, but I really wish that they would, they watch these movies and just understand how brilliant the guy was. I mean, not only with, you know, the storytelling, the directing, the music, a lot yeah. of those movies, he, he writes his own uh, soundtrack for. And they kind of, you know, it seems like the movie companies kind of blackballed him at some point, because if you check out his IMDb, he doesn't, he doesn't do a lot of movies since uh, I think like the mid to late 90s. I mean, here and there, but, and he's done interviews where he's talked about wanting to do certain projects and I guess they just don't, you know, nobody puts the money up for him anymore, but it's a, it's a shame because very talented. He's, you know, some of my top movies have been old John Carpenter movies. Right. Right. Yeah. So that does kind of lead into my next question. Cause I was going to ask you, what are some movies that you think are, you know, that a lot of people haven't heard of, um, that are like must-watch horror movies. Wow, yeah, that does kind of, yeah, I'd say, well, that's that's definitely one with The Prince of Darkness. I, I really, you know, it, it, it just was so, that sense of dread, you know, there's such a sense of dread, like the whole world is just blanketed with this evil, you know? And he's and great so, at that. He's great at doing Oh, yeah, that. yeah, and I, I don't know. That's a really good question. I, I wasn't. Um, wow. That's a really good question. Which ones? Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to really pick some good ones here. Uh, which ones yeah. would, would they be? Um, uh, there's another one called city of the dead and it starred well it didn't star christopher lee they highlighted his name like it was like you know what i mean like i would have too if i were making that movie but he wasn't in it very much but um city of the dead it, it was um it was a, a really i've actually played it on the show and it, it's uh for it being public domain it was it's it's a very very interesting movie it uh, i think that one's worth watching it's a good halloween movie because it goes back into um, this place called Whitewood, where a, a coven of witches was still um, sacrificing people now to to remain young and remain alive. And and the, the story did take place. It originated back in like 1692. And it was kind of a parody of of Salem. And um, it, it, it was I think that's a pretty interesting movie. Um hmm that's a that's a good question because now i'm thinking another one popped into my head but everyone's probably seen night of the living dead uh i love that movie uh but here's another one okay now the remake of night of the living dead that's one that a lot of people probably haven't seen and um tom savini directed that of course he did it with the blessing of george romero the man Mm -hmm. himself but that one there, if you watch that movie there, it's an extremely um, well done movie. It's 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 highly entertaining to watch. I love watching the remake. It's a 1990 version. If, if your viewers, okay. uh, 
you know, want to check that out. 1990 uh, remake of uh, Night of the Living Dead. Uh, I wonder if I've seen that one or not. I, I know I've seen the Romero one. Um, and then, of course, the, the sequels. Um, some of them were a little silly, but, you know, they're, <laughs> you know, still, still good movies. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think myself of ones that, I think all the ones that I've seen that that I think are must watch underrated, they're probably a lot of people have seen them. I mean, I kind of mentioned that Monster Squad. I, I know it's a uh, you know it kind of came out the same time as the Goonies, and it kind of got lumped in with that, and it, it didn't do really great when it was out because it was a little too adult for kids and it was a little too kiddish for adults. Right. But I still think it's still in my top 10 favorite movies of all time. And I've watched it recently and it's still, it still really holds up, I think, which some of those old horror movies uh, that made me think of another one. And I think this is Carpenter, uh, the people under the stairs. I don't know if that's Carpenter or not. I'd have to check. Is that a, uh, this <laughs> is, is it a, I, I don't know why I'm thinking Stephen King. I don't know. I'm I'm not as uh, like I tell I tell the viewers I uh, um, because I do this live show every Saturday night, and every yeah. once in a while I'll get I'll get tripped up on something, you know, and <laughs> they'll be thinking like, "Oh, he should know that." And I'm thinking, "Well, I tell them I'm a I'm a horror movie host, not a horror movie historian." So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I I'm trying to think of that. I've heard of that one, and I'm trying to think. Uh, it's not Stephen it. King, just because I'm I'm pretty deep into Stephen King. Okay, it's not him. It, it might be John Carpenter. And look that up while we're talking. Yeah, I'm not 100% positive. But to my to my point with that, though, I watched that recently, and it doesn't hold up. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, it's still, you know, it still has fun parts in it, but, um, you know, the difference is some of the, just like the humor and just maybe the overall story just is a little cheesy, which, you know, that still can be fun and horror. But, you know, compared to, like, like I was saying, the Monster Squad, you watch that today and it still has a lot of, uh, you know, it still has a lot of energy and it still feels, you know, like a good movie. Yeah, I do like that. The Monster Squad, uh, the people under the stairs. Is that the one you just said? Yeah. OK, that, that Wes Craven, Wes another Craven. big name that uh, I don't know. I knew it was one of the big the big names, but uh, I couldn't I couldn't. I couldn't get it. Yeah. I Monster Squad was good though. I did like that. And I like the idea. I love the uh, uh revisiting the old classic monsters and putting that yeah. new spin on the their their look. I you know that like you know the werewolf and the creature, you know, the parody of the creature from the black lagoon. And yeah, I I think they did a really good job with that. Really good job and the effects still hold up. I mean, yeah, because that was back when they were doing the the practical effects, you know, instead of everything being a green screen, you know, computer effect, it still looks really, you know, realistic for, you know, for what it is. Yeah. I, I think, I think uh, like the eighties was one of the most uh, fun era 
of movies because of that reason. They, you know, the practical effects and just yeah. seeing how inventive they could get with with those effects. And that's where, like, for example, like Tom Savini, I mentioned him with directing uh, the remake of Night of Living Dead. That's where he really shined, you know, with uh, coming up with a lot of those special effects that people just scratched their heads like, how did <laughs> how did he? We know we just saw it, but how did he just do that? Yeah, and uh, he was he was so good at that. Um, and a lot of those guys kind of got famous. The the practical effects guys, you know, yeah. you don't you you couldn't tell me. You know, the average person couldn't tell me somebody that worked on the Avengers movies or the, the superhero ones, like, who did the effects because it's some computer guy. But, you know, th those guys that did it in the 70s and 80s and even the 90s, like, a lot of those guys became pretty famous, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. You know, like Dick Smith, Tom Savini, yep. Greg Nicotero, you know, those oh, guys man. there. Um uh, just that's a good point though you, you don't know the computer guys making the effects now or at least i don't i right. i uh that's that's a really good point but, but those guys who were masters of their craft back then like 70s 80s especially in the 80s they just yeah. were, they were going nuts in the 80s with all those practical effects and and good ones you know like that was the first time we saw someone uh, the, the practical effects and, and the werewolf transformations and stuff like that, you know, and that really, that really yeah. looked pretty cool at the time, you know, like American werewolf and in, uh, in, in London and Michael Jackson's thriller video. Oh, yeah. I think the same guy did the effects for both that did um, American werewolf in London. I think he did uh, the thriller video too. Oh um, yeah. That, that, that wouldn't surprise me. I, I, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, it's uh, definitely... that actually makes sense because he would would have been probably a you know the expert guy <laughs> back yeah. then. Yeah, I definitely I heard that on another podcast a while ago, and it just stuck with me because you know you you wouldn't think, but then when you think about it, you would think that you know why not get the guy that you know has done the best effects to do, to do the biggest music video movie. Yeah. Know? And uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, I love the eighties. I really like the nineties too for, for movies, um, horror movies and, and, and stuff too. You know, speaking of Wes Craven, even though, you know, people under the stairs doesn't necessarily hold up. I really like those screen movies now. Yeah. They're parody, you know, and they were meant to be, um, but for, you know, for a while, that was that was the horror movie genre. He kind of restarted it back then because it was kind of dying a little yeah. bit in like the late nineties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, I I think you're right there because it went through that that phase there, like early seventies until about mid eighties, they stretched it out until the late eighties and stuff with the, uh, the slasher films when they were in their, their highlight, you know, um, you know, with all that. And then what was, what was after that, you know, there was really like a, a gap of where 
it, it really wasn't uh you had movies like well like people under the stairs i, I looked that up like you, you know 1991 there were a lot of stephen king movies and stuff that were coming right. out too um but then they were looking for something i i thought that was a, a neat new idea you know with the scream franchise and uh i you know they're not my they weren't exactly my my cup of tea necessarily i mean i enjoyed it i i it wasn't uh but I like the fact that they did it and I, and I yeah. understand why they did it. I think it was a good idea. Yeah. It's, and that really kind of leads me to my next question. Cause you know, I've noticed that horror movies can be really, you know, the genre can be really cyclical, cyclical, like, uh, you know, like you were talking about the, the early monsters and, you know, slasher films, serial killer movies, um, the evil house movies, you know, the haunted house stuff. Uh, then it kind of went to like the scream, you know, parody stuff a little bit. Torture horror with, with Saw and, and stuff like that. Um, possession horror has come and gone a few times. You know, that was big in the 70s with uh, like, um, uh, can't think of the name of it. Huge movie in the 70s that was. The Yes, The Exorcist. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, like The Omen and stuff like that. Right, right. Um, and then zombie horror has come and gone a few times. 70s, real big, 80s. Kind of died off in the 90s. And then kind of came back in the early 2000s through... I think it's kind of going away a little bit now, too. Um, which is a shame, because I really love zombie stuff myself. Um but why do you think horrors like that? And uh, I can't really think of another genre that that does that so much. You know, the cyclical nature. I don't know. That's a good question. I, I don't know if it's because, like, when you know something that was that was big back in the seventies, those people grow up and they're introducing it to their kids. Those kids, you know, maybe maybe a good portion of them you know, uh, or were inspired by that and go off and make movies of their own. Chris Carter, for example, he was a big fan of, of Kolchak, the Night Stalker, that series back in the seventies, yeah. you know, starring, uh, Darren McGavin. And, uh, he loved that show. Well, he, he grew up and started the X-Files based on the uh-huh. Night Stalker, but he, he wanted the, instead of, you know, investigative reporters, he wanted to have FBI agents who wouldn't right. have, uh, you know, they wouldn't be stuck in one jurisdiction. They'd have, they'd have federal jurisdiction. So uh, I, I'm just guessing that that's probably the reason there is, that, you know, the kind of that uh, cycle of, uh, <laughs> you know, the that makes, maybe parents passing it on to their kids, you know. That really makes sense, you know, because, yeah, you're influenced by what you see when you're when you're younger. And if, uh, you know. And then the new stuff comes along and, you know, you get to be of a certain age and you're like, oh, I wonder how co- no, nobody's made a good zombie movie in, you know, 10 years or 20 years yeah. or whatever. And um, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a novice writer myself and I've been working on a, a zombie fiction story for seven or eight years. I mean, one of these days I'll finish it, but, it's a short stories kind of 
zombies with mixed with uh, MMA martial arts stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of set like that. But um, I just you know it's funny. I really I started writing it before the um, the Walking Dead got going. And then The Walking Dead started, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. But I think The Walking Dead both kind of reignited it, and then it kind of killed it a little bit, too, because it kind of overstayed its welcome. You know? Yeah, because, you know, I, I think you're right. It's funny because I, I've had this talk with, with viewers on, like, my this, the Saturday night show I do, and, like, we've discussed that stuff with, with what do you think about, like, that Walking Dead? Like, for me... I love the show when it first came on. I man, and and to this day, I mean, when there's a new episode, my wife and I, we have to watch it. I mean, right. you know, that that is our thing. And you know, it has kind of had its roller coaster of um good story writing and bad story writing. Right. Because I think this is just my opinion. I, I think some things that were from the comics don't necessarily translate too well in, to film. Okay. Like, uh, you know, the whole um, Negan thing, when we were first introduced to Negan, like that, that right. probably was something that was very acceptable in the storyline of the comic, but it turned a lot of people off who yeah. were diehard fans, you know, and, you know, uh, it just, that was a, that was like for example that was a hard episode to watch and now and now uh and now they're you know look at negan's character development you know it's uh wow <laughs> what, yeah. a, what a turn that guy's making um but i think that i think maybe just some things didn't translate too well um probably a lot of people loved it uh but a, a lot of your average viewers who never wa- read the comics because there were many who never even read the comics right. and they're watching the show, myself included. I didn't read the comic series. I knew of it, but I didn't know, I didn't read it. Um, so I, I think, I think that's where the, you know, them trying to stay somewhat with a, at least time-wise with the comics, I don't think that worked out too well. And I'd yeah. like to see it go out, go out well, right. you know, with some grace instead of them just uh you know pulling it along <laughs> right and i agree i um i'm i'm probably like a season and a half behind i'm probably gonna watch it out you know um i i did read the first comic or the first couple i think the um uh trying to think of the name of they're not they don't call it oh graphic novel they, they like to call them graphic novels now. Uh, I read the first one and it had some different things. You know, Daryl's not even in it. Right. Um, and um, yeah, there was a couple other things. There's a couple big characters that they just didn't do. But I think the show started out strong. And, and like you said, it's had a few people take over the writing teams and stuff. And, yeah. you know, they've gone different directions. Sometimes it works and Sometimes it really doesn't work, but yeah, I'd like to see it go out big too, you know, but I think that, you know, getting back to the cyclical nature of horror, I hope uh, zombie stuff can come back and I think it will. 
I think it will. I think there is such a, um, it's such a favorite monster to people. You know, they may get tired of, uh, of, of some of the movies, you know, if they're just getting pummeled with, you know, new right. content all the time. But the monster itself and the idea itself, I think, is always going to be beloved by people. You know, I, I do. Right. Just like vampires. There's a certain there's a certain uh, um, mystique to the vampire. There's such a, a well-loved monster. That doesn't mean I want to sit and watch all the vampire movies but you know but the, the the monster itself i you know there is something about it that i i love and i think i think that the zombies will always be safe in the movies right uh, but i think you're right though it, it kind of does come and go you know the and people's interest the vampires that's a good example too i didn't even i i'd forgot about that vampires goes up and down like that too because mm-hmm. You know, when they put one vampire movie out, they put two or three vampire movies out, you know, like Interview with a Vampire uh, back in the day. And there was definitely a couple of copycat movies, you know, uh, I think Eddie Murphy did one that was a, it wasn't very good, but, you know, it was, yeah, yeah, the, the vampire definitely comes and goes and can be an interesting one. And that actually... That leads me into my next question. What do you think is the the future of horror? Are we going to go realistic, like horrors of society type of stuff? Or do you think we go the the complete opposite and it gets more fantastical? That's a, that's a good question. Wow. Um, I don't know because I, you know, the 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 social awareness thing, like even even Night of Living Dead, for example, back in the '60s, you know that that was that was what George Romero he he really uh, put a lot of that into the movie when he was writing it, you know. Um, so a, a social statement, you know, right. and. Um, I, I there, there's plenty of room for that in horror movies now, but honestly, what I would like to see is just what I you know, I call big dumb fun. I just like to see a werewolf. I like to see. I don't want to know how it came to be. I like like that's another thing with 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 these movies is they explain it to death. Like like I hope in The Walking Dead. I'll, I, maybe I'm, tra- I'm trailing back and then I'll try to come back to it to, yeah. to how you asked that. But I hope they never explain how the zombie epidemic occurred. I hope that we never find out uh, because to me, that is, that is true fear, fear of the unknown. And if they explain it, that gives the monster a, a name that gives right. the monster a face. And I, uh, you know, the unseen monster and, I don't like that. I don't like to know. Uh, I don't like a scientific explanation for everything because, um, you know, that's what that's what truly is horrifying when we don't know what's causing that thing to come up out of the ground, you know, and come after you. Yeah. You know, if you give it a, a scientific explanation, um, 
well, the cellular discharge and all this and that, you know, and all of a sudden, they, you know, they like Star Trek it into where <laughs> I, I, you know, we've got a simplified answer to this now. No, I don't want that. I want it to stay a mystery because that's more scary and terrifying to me. It's like, um, but uh, and maybe, maybe that's where I see it going. Uh, maybe just a, maybe just the entertainment part. I kind of, I, I get the social awareness stuff. I, I get that, but I don't really want to see that very much because I watch these movies to escape, you know, right. and I hope, I hope that we can, when I see a movie that's just, that's just uh, heavy with, with, uh, I guess, message uh, or, uh, a narrative some kind right. of, or even or even a, a political agenda behind it i i i really i really kind of shy away from those because i'd much rather just watch um horror not to say i mean i love i, I love and appreciate good writing but uh right um, well maybe the answer to that is is television because you can do more of the deep you know uh backstory stuff i mean i know we were talking Walking Dead. I agree. I don't think they need to, you know, say what happened to start the apocalypse or whatever, because that it's just not that type of story. But when you're like world building, um, you know, you brought up Star Trek. I, I know I heard that you're a Star Wars fan. I, I personally am a Star Trek fan myself. And I know you can be Me both. Too. I know you can be both, but I um I just got more into Star Trek and um Star Trek used to be very episodic. Um, the Next Generation, the original series, uh, but you know, uh, Deep Space Nine kind of started the serialization of the show. You know, where the next episode, you know, it bled into the next episode and so on. Sorry, my cat's stuck. <laughs> uh, so. I think there's a place for that, you know, and, and it's maybe it's not movies, maybe movies you do the, like you said, the big, dumb, fun stuff. I, I like that, you know, that definitely fits more of a two hour format. But yeah, I do also like good world building. And I, and I think the the whole social um, story stuff that you were talking about, I think that's like a third type of thing. And that can be done really well. Um, and it can be done not so well, too. Um, I mean, Jordan Peele's doing a great job right now with the, the Get Out and uh, those type of movies. Um, and I also, did you happen to catch that Lovecraft Country on HBO? No, I haven't. I haven't seen that yet. It's a little, you know, it's set, you know, in the 1950s you know during you know um you know it has a lot of that stuff in it but i still thought they did a really good job with the horror aspect of it um and the i did talk to a the lovecraft historian and um he said it didn't totally ring true with the lovecraft stories and stuff but i still thought it was kind of scary and interesting and, and it was one of those shows where certain episodes were better than others 
is I guess the review I would give it, but I, I would still recommend it. Like my wife and I watched it and, you know, we watched one episode barely paying attention. And then the next episode was like, holy cow, that's, oh yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. So it was kind of like that, but. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. World building. Like you said, you, you said it pretty well there. Um, there's such an opportunity in episodes, TV to do that. And, and, and now you see that more and more with all the streaming uh, shows coming on. Um Cobra Kai, for example, yeah. uh, I, I, lo- I love that, <laughs> you know, and that's that's really you're seeing a lot of development that you can't see in a two hour movie. Right. You know, as hokey as the movie is, I, I, you know, I get caught up in it. You know, it's just yeah. like it's 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 like a I don't know. It's like a little soap opera, I guess, you know, for lack of better, you know, like the Mandalorian, you know, that. Yeah. that it it is it is such a great way to continue and to do a story than to just do an hour and a half or two hour movie and, and yeah. I, I love that so that 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 does make sense you you have the time like on the walking dead to get invested in these characters right and the and the walking dead has such you know like you said it has the source material already you know um where some of these other things they're kind of seems like they're writing as they go but uh cobra kai yeah that's that's we watched that one too that's that's a good example of taking like a popcorn movie and turning it into you know uh, an interesting storyline and uh yeah so i think there's a place for all all three of the type of things and you know i'm just the the reason i thought of the question was because yeah you know with covid and everything you know it's been a rough you know year for everybody and you would think a lot of people are not going to want to see like you know real like realistic horror you you know i mean i could be wrong but i think a lot of people are going to want to see like kind of like you said the the you know big fun movies the you know you know, so they don't have to think about like, you know, real life for a while. Yeah. Like they don't want to sit and probably watch something about a plague or something. You know? <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember like we were, when this was all starting, you know, like uh, I think my wife wanted to watch something. I don't know. I'm just going to say outbreak, for example. And I'm like, <laughs> why? <laughs> why? You know, and it's kind of funny in a way that not well I, I, I strange I'll, I'll, I'll use that as the word because I had I had already arranged last last year in February I said you know what we're gonna do monster March every Friday night we're gonna have a live chiller night theater with Jack Shadow and he's gonna be live and interacting with the with the viewers I do I do live episodes that way and viewers can you know i i he sets up a crystal ball and it, you know and he's like chatting with like he's responding to the camera you know and they get to see that on line and then later on tv um but i had done this thing where i said okay every friday night there's gonna be a new show and and then what hit hit you know mm-hmm. 
And I'll tell you what, as, as much as my mind wasn't in it, uh, because there was so much uncertainty as to what the heck was going on, I said, you know what, I, I kind of need this therapeutic wise myself just to keep my mind in a, you know, in a good place as, as much as I can. And so I went ahead and uh, I, I did the, I did every Friday night in March. I, I pulled it off. Everybody had a good time. And I'll tell you what, even between that and between the Saturday night pre-shows that I do live as well, there were so many people that were like, oh, thank you for doing this. Thank you for just, you know, for for just keeping my mind off of it for for that bracket of time yeah i mean that's important i i felt like podcasts kind of did that for me the the ones that really stayed going and stuff uh i have a job where i'm in in my car a lot um i'm a private investigator so uh, that's what i do in real life and okay so i'm sitting in my car a lot so i listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff and that really kind of kept me, you know, sane during uh, during the pandemic, and yeah. kind of one of the reasons why I started it. I, I I was actually thinking about doing it back back then too, but I kind of was like, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't get the. It was just a rough time, you know. So it's I feel like it's nice now coming out of the pandemic that that I can do this podcast and. Uh, you know, talk to different people and stuff and hopefully, you know, get people's minds, you know, on some different things now. Yeah. Well, it, it is, I think it's a, it's a good thing. And, and, you know, it's a nice little escape for, you know, an hour, hour and a half, two hours, whatever your, you know, your shows run. I, I don't know. It's, it, it just helps. It does help because I, I tell you what, I got burned out just watching the news and being yeah. glued to what's next, you know, what, what <laughs> you know, Definitely. it's so much coming up on us, you know, as a, as a society and, and as, as the world. And it's just nice to just break away and watch a, watch a dumb wolf, a Wolfman movie every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just some, some corny, uh, yeah. you know, we didn't talk about that too much, but there's some really good corny cheese ball horror that they'd made in like the seventies and eighties. I think that was a good time for that. There was yeah. one, uh, the giant killer mosquito one. I, I mean, that might even have been the name of the movie. It was so <laughs> <laughs> attack of the killer mosquitoes, but yeah. I remember watching that and it was just so campy and, and fun. I mean, the plot was terrible, but you know, you're not watching that type of movie to get a good, good plot. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There is a certain audience just for those, uh, you know, like I call the chiller movies, you know, those B, those B movies that uh, they were cranking out. I mean, like the next one I'm doing, the next one I'm doing is Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter, for example, there's a, <laughs> you know, cinematic masterpiece. If you've ever heard of it, but uh, you, you know, there, there's an example of um, the director making two movies at once over a span of eight days i mean oh wow you know and and it's that type of stuff back in the the, the you know back in the 50s uh, the drive-in movies the double billing you know and yeah. uh, there's an audience that just uh loves the nostalgia of it i think you know and that's that's who i got i get a lot of those watching watching my show is just to uh 
50 age bracket, like 50 and up, you know, right. I get a lot of those get, you yeah. know, young people too, but there's a lot of people who love the nostalgia of it. It makes sense. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a new version of those type of movies come out. Cause you know, you can make, you really can make a movie on an iPhone now. I mean, they're so good, yeah. you know? Right. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see some new age horror movies all shot on an iPhone that probably don't have the best writing or, or, or plot, but you know, right. <laughs> they'll be fun, you know, to watch. And again, sure. you know, to kind of tie things up that goes with the whole cyclical nature of, of horror as a genre is, uh, even though it's been done, they can always do it again and they can always, you know, tweak it and do it different and stuff. I mean, the only one I really, I never got into the, the torture, uh, porn horror stuff, you know, the saw stuff. I couldn't do it. No, I, I, I didn't like those just because, um, um, I watch that stuff as an escape and I've, I've, I, you know, I've seen some ugly things in my day and, 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 you know, the, I, I didn't want to see that because I know there's evil people who are capable of doing that stuff. Right. And, and so to me, that's nothing more than just sitting there watching people being brutalized and tortured and ripped up. They're like, I, I don't know who, who's just supposed <laughs> to sit back and relax and watch that stuff. Not me. I mean, no. probably I mean people, people like got that. into it. I always felt like if I'm going to watch stuff about a serial killer, I want it to be more of a psychological thriller. You yeah. know, I, I do enjoy a good, you know, psychological thriller where you're trying to figure out who's doing it, what and stuff. And those are interesting, but you know, where it's, brutalization for the sake of brutalization yeah i don't know it's just not my not my cup of tea but you know it's mine either <laughs> you know that'll probably come back eventually too <laughs> in, a, in a new yeah. form but yeah we'll skip that one but brian uh, i just want to thank thank you a lot for doing this uh it's been it's been a blast talking movies with you and, and wrestling too um so if you want to plug anything now uh you know your shows have at it oh thank you well thank you for having me on on your show it was it was a, it was a real pleasure i enjoyed talking to you and uh if if any of your listeners want to uh check out what i do you can go to chillernighttheater.com that's chillernighttheater.com and you can uh, check out some of my work i got chiller night theater on there i got my talk show chiller chat and uh, just get in touch with me if you want to and check it out. Dark Horse Championship Wrestling. You can check that out on Facebook. And um, again, I, I just appreciate the time. And uh, thanks for having me on your show. All right. Thanks again, Brian. Uh, talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Bye. Once again, I'd like to thank Brian Hogue for a great interview uh, and discussion. Please like, follow. Um, all that good stuff on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, anywhere where you listen to your podcast. Um, it helps the podcast out and uh, hopefully gets us some more listeners. Um, the next episode will be with my longtime friend, Kurt Parker, and uh, we are going to discuss 
Star Trek. Uh, all things Star Trek, we break down each series and uh, rank them. So it's a pretty interesting discussion, and uh, check it out. Uh, thanks. Have a good day.